0: This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. It's the first try! Manly have scored! The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest...
1: And welcome back uh, to the Golden Eagles podcast. Um, have to apologise uh, for our normal co-anchor, or the main anchor, I guess you could say, in Wayne Cousins is the Ron Burgundy of the uh, of the Golden Eagles podcast. He's actually uh, had to call in Crook today, uh, exploratory surgery, to try and find a sense of humour. So good luck, Cuzo, finding that. Uh, could be a bit of a tough job, but um, we hope to see you back soon. Joined today by one of my oldest mates, a name that's uh, well known uh, in the seagulls uh, in seagull circles and that's Chad Randall,
2: player number four hundred and sixty-six. Welcome, Chad. Hey, thanks, Boxy. Over me. Great. There's just the two of us, mate. I feel really comfortable in here today without the uh, what you call anchor. Oh, well, I was going to say a good name for him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, dragging the shit down. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, mate, it's just like sitting in one of those pubs over in uh, over in England. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later on, but without um,
2: the, without the uh,
1: pint. Without the pints. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. But we, we might be able to sneak off for one after. Yeah. Nice. But uh, mate, go through your career today. Um, what you're doing now, obviously still involved with the Seagulls. We'll jump straight in. Northern Eagles, 2002, played 13 games. What was it like those days with the Northern Eagles? I know you came through the ranks. You played all your junior footy for the Seagulls. What was that time like for, you? Know, I guess, yourself as a, as a young Seagulls fan and, and young player coming
2: through? By the time I came in, we were pretty much back to the Sea Eagles. We just were still called the Northern Eagles because of naming rights with the NRL. Everything was based on the Northern beaches. I think we are based at Weldon Overlook, Kelkel. We still had you know, Jamie Goddard and a few of those older boys from Norse in the side but predominantly it was a Manly based club with Peter Sharp and Frank Panisi here at the club didn't really feel like a different club to me by the time I got to first grade
1: yeah right Frank Panisi you know I remember being a schoolboy and, and talking to Frank when you know back in back in the day great guy done great things down in Melbourne you're still close with Frank
2: yeah I still talk to Frank pretty regularly uh you know Frankie was a, a hardboard boy here on the local Devils at, at, at Freshie there great guy just came through the ranks Frankie was the um looked after all the juniors here at Manly for a while and then sort of crept up yeah I think he ended up over in um, the UK and South Africa doing a bit of rugby stuff for a while and then found his feet at, at Melbourne and been a big part of Craig Bellamy and that whole Melbourne dynasty. You know, he's a great operator and a great and a great guy.
1: Yeah, no, I've only ever heard uh, heard good things about Frank. Manly Seagulls, 2003 to 2005, 53 games, seven tries, seven meat pies. No, uh, no field goals or, or goals there, but um, that's all right. We'll, we'll skip straight through. Uh, 66 games in total. Now, first grade debut was the Northern Eagles versus the Canberra Raiders in Gosford, 2002, mm-hmm. coming off the bench. Beaver is captain. Obviously, you said before there, Peter Sharp as the coach. What are your memories of, I suppose, getting told that you're going to make your debut um, and then actually, yeah, you know, your memories of, of that day and that game?
2: I think uh, I was 18th man the week before and we are in New Zealand and we got absolutely smashed. And I had a, a fair inkling that I'd get a run that week and, you know, it was a good week. And my old man came in, gave me my jersey, which was pretty special there at Gosford. I remember the game, I remember it being really fast at the start, just thinking, wow, but I, I do remember we ended up having a really good win, and Jason King uh, scored off the kickoff, made a break, passed it, and then received the ball back, and yeah, it was a pretty special night, all my mates were there, had a box up in the stand, and yeah, it was a, a memory that I'll, I'll never forget.
1: And that Raiders, because funnily enough, I was playing for the Raiders at that time, 2002, I debuted yeah. a couple of weeks after you,
2: but... Um, had a... I might have helped you get that debut, <laughs> <didn't I? laughs> You may have done, actually,
1: thanks, <laughs> mate, I, I do appreciate that. They had a good team then, too, you know, Ruben Wiki, you know, decent pack, Luke DeVico, those sort of guys yeah, Jason Smith mm. yeah
2: yeah it was it was a pretty good side um mm. that came side they're tough mm. tough side so for us to uh, come out the way we did we were a young side so to come out the way we did was really good yeah I, I i don't think we went that good that year but we were in around mixed around the eight but we definitely improved as the year went on
1: So 2003, the Seagulls return, even though we said there was more or less, yeah, that was happening already. Um, And you played 23 games at Hooker. So fairly solid season after after making your debut the year before.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's a long time ago, but I played nearly every game that year and nearly every minute as well. That was a good year and had some, you know, some decent players and some really good blokes from that squad and Brad Kelly and guys like that that don't catch up with anymore. But when you look back, how many good times you had with guys like that that sort of came to the club and then left. Uh, I know, you know, Brad, he went through Canberra as well. Well, good black kill uh... Yeah. Good bloke. Um, Loves a beer too. Loves a beer. <laughs> and they're, and they're, Yeah.
1: And they're the best type, aren't Who they, doesn't? really? Mate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So many blokes did. They came through and stayed for a year or two and then went. But yeah. um, I suppose the good thing about what we're doing now is trying to bring those guys back in and, and catch up for more yeah. of those beers that we've missed out on through the uh, through the ranks. So moving on, first NRL try was against the Dragons in a 38-12 win in Wollongong. Do
2: you remember anything like that? I can't I, remember my first try, to I be c- fair. I can't remember the actual try, to be honest. I could not tell you. Chip chasing. 10-metre, yeah, yeah, ran, ran yeah. 70. But I do remember the win. It was the old, the famous game that Brownie slapped Trent on the field. And um, I remember us walking back. Or we were, we actually, we were waiting for the kickoff after we just scored against him and he copped a slap. And we were just going, wow, look at this. And the crowd <laughs> was into him. And, and we ended up getting a great victory. I think I think Chucky, um scored a length of the field try that day. Uh, we had a great time on the team bus on the way home. Oh, absolutely. That day. Those uh, are the good old days, the yeah. team, bus, team choc- bus.
1: Choc was full of beers yeah, yeah, a, yeah. after after a good victory. um, but Jason King played in that team. In in that Danny Lima, the great Danny Lima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, Choco, you mentioned Beaver, of course, he's been around with everyone. Yeah. And uh, Big Soul, Solomon Himono yeah he's a uh he was a wrecking machine in his day
2: he was Sol, and then I, I spent a bit of time with solomon uh, at london broncos when i went over to england he took me under his wing over there because he'd been there a while him and his family and his wife margaret so i've become quite close with solomon and now being a, as assistant coach down there we've got alec tovaki he's coming through who's Sol's nephew he's got a lot of same traits as solomon so yeah, right. good to see a um you know like a, a replica coming through or yeah. a family member of solomon
1: Absolutely, because uh, you know, great footballer and uh, boxing ability too. Yeah, unbelievable. Like you know, some of the yep. stories um, from some of the old bikes at uh, at London Broncos used to say, where he shaped up to that bloke from Huddersfield that day, and old mate absolutely shit his pants yeah. and ran away. Big girl, yeah, it was a girl, was it? Earl, was it? <laughs> Big Earl. I Earl. think. So,
2: I think Saul so. protected me a couple of times actually. I had Monty Beatham once when he was playing for Wakefield. <laughs> big soul went after him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was, it was Monty- a little bit before Monty started his boxing career, but Monty started his boxing career. Um, <laughs> but big soul went after him and uh, Monty was backpedaling quite quick as well. Always,
1: always good to have front rowers that yeah. look after you. I think I was the one that was giving the cheek and probably getting us into the fights. But anyway, that's all right. Now, Kazo made these notes, mate. And the next heading is Australian Fashion Week.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. So um, Randall's good looks, <laughs> boy band good looks, saw him model on the catwalk during Australian Fashion Week in 2004. And following this uh, appearance, he was asked to model for Adidas Sportswear. I know you're an Adidas-sponsored athlete. Is that how it really went? Or is because I just picked these out of Wikipedia?
2: No, nah, oh, it's sort of. It's sort of backwards a little bit. I, uh, I was actually with Adidas, was my boot sponsor at the time. And I ended up picking up a, um, a brand called Vicious Threads. Which were in glue and in a few stores like that and they they were doing the it was their uh runway. So I went and did it for them because Adidas was supplying the footwear for them. So it was sort of Adidas put me there to do it and then I I picked up a, a clothing sponsor out of it as well. I don't remember too much about the actual walk and I do remember the backstage part. Just, <laughs> yeah. the, just the just the clothing arrangements. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to just trying <laughs> yeah. to pinch a few yeah, p- yeah pinch a few bits to take home. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's all that really sits in the memory of that of that.
1: Mate, he's also got here um, finalist in the Sexiest Man in League competition, two thousand
2: and four. Jeez, my manager stitched me up. Hey, at
1: that age. placed third. Who was judging this thing? Yeah. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, no,
2: I, I think it was uh, it was in the Clio thing. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think Craig. I got beat. Craig Wing, Matt Cooper. I hate losing, so I still remember them. But yeah, yeah, oh, mate, it was real. My manager at the time thought those type of things would be good for me. I don't think they ever helped me in any type of way. And, Anything I've ever done He's since t- so. <laughs> so absolute stitch up by the yeah. manager.
1: Another good one. You're hearing plenty yeah. of that these days.
2: So back to you, back
1: to the footy career, two thousand and or so, the end of two thousand and five. Um well funnily enough, that was the, the, the year we played together down here. It was yep. it was kind of a resurgence, wasn't it, for the Eagles? Yeah, um, I think
2: like those first couple of years that you're talking about, they were probably building blocks for those years, two thousand and two. 2003 Because Desi was a strength conditioner at that time. And then, so he tortured us around every car park or bush run you could find on the Northern Beaches. So I think the resilience part started then. Uh, and then it was the build-up. And then 2005, we made the semis. It was a pretty good, fun year. I think we started the season really well that year. By memory, I think we, were winning, we won eight or nine in a row. And then we sort of fell away as the as the back end. But it was a sort of building box to what was to come after that.
1: Made some good signings. Not talking about myself here either. But obviously, yep. Ben Kennedy, Brent Kite yep. um, came in there as well so you know BK definitely had a bit of leadership there as well as well as Kide you know coming in. It was Parramatta, the semi was Parramatta out at Paris Stadium, the old Paris Stadium.
2: I think that Ben Kennedy, you know, when he came in BK he, he had a no excuse policy. You know, there's no excuses, Um, just get the job done. I think, you know, he really changed a lot of the mindsets of the the, the younger guys back then. And he didn't go on much longer than that because he retired. But I think that instilled a lot of good stuff into those boys, Jockey and Gifty and, and mm. stuff like that for, for what was to come a few years later on that as well. I think we got beat by Parry out at Parra. I think Whitty was playing, Michael Wit was playing for Parra. Yeah, I think so.
1: I think he was because he came the year after, didn't yep. he, Whitty? I remember it. And I'm talking about BK. I remember one of those down at the Stain afterwards. And I remember him, yeah, you know, some of that stuff the instills was sitting there having a schooner and he'd probably had a couple more than what I'd had. But he just said, just as I'd made my first grade debut, and he said, I don't want to see you in reserve grade again this year. And if I do, I'm going to punch you out. Yeah. Anyway, and that was it. It's okay, mate, no worries. So That'll never went bit, back to reserve yeah. grade, but that's, I suppose, what he did and how he yeah. got stuff done, you know? So. It was black a, and white. A great leader. Yeah. A great leader. So, mate, 2006, you make the move across to London, to the yep. Harlequins. Tell us Tell us about that. Tell us about your early days there.
2: It was strange going over there. You know, I'd never been overseas. I'd never really been out of the Northern Beaches, to be honest. It was almost like going into the big wide world. Um, You sort of realise when you get over there, You know, within that sort of first six months, just how small we are over here in Australia. It's a real eye-opener. Even just driving around the M25 around London, you see how many people Mm. there are in in the world and, um, you know, just everyone off doing their own things and jobs. You sort of get a perspective on life. But yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. I went over there with a really young family and we went over there in the back end of November. Uh, went from a, a beautiful spring, start of summer of Australia into a winter, dark, cold place in London. The first year we were in um, Richmond in a little shack up the top of this. like I had to pull the pram up 30 flights of stairs to get up into this attic that we were living in. <laughs> but it served its purpose. Richmond was a really nice place. Richmond was good. Yeah.
1: Good for, a, good for a beer. I think our last yeah. Mad Monday we ended up at Richmond, yeah, didn't we? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Some amongst, probably outfit, yeah. <laughs> amongst, amongst a few other establishments. Yeah. So, mate, 197 games straight. And the last two years, obviously, went back to the London Broncos. Um, yeah. And I was lucky enough to sign with them as well, join you there with a heap of actual ex Seagulls boys. So, we had yeah. Michael Witt was there, Luke Dawn, Michael Robertson. Shane yep. Rodney, yeah. Who else did we have there? We had we had a ton of guys there. Um, we had like Daniel
2: Heckenberg. He'd gone on though. Big Ice Man. He'd gone. Ice, ice man. man, yeah. Never makes mistakes. Uh, no, he's never made a mistake in his life. But no, I think that was it for Manly. There's a few mm. Canberra boys went through there in my time there. You, David Howe, Mark McClendon, Matt Gaffer, some Melbourne, Scott Hill, Antonio Cafusi, mm. Craig Gow was there for a while. Yeah, some some really good names and good, good guys names. to play with over mm. there. Yeah, mm.
1: different over there in terms of you know I suppose in London playing in Chris London. Chris Bailey was there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so coming from up north where I'd been previously compared to down in London, whereas London as a city is just unbelievable to live. You know, we, yeah. we loved it over yeah. there. You know, catch the tube into the city. You know, you're touching buildings that are twice as old as Australia. But yeah, sort of anonymous over there, isn't it really? It is for to...
2: rugby league players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, a little bit different from the rugby union because that's the, probably the second sport behind soccer or football. But you could go out and enjoy a beer and do all those type of things without anyone recognising you or, or anyone within your group, which was nice. And then you still sort of got the lurks and perks. Of have been a sportsman and being able to play good golf courses. <laughs>
1: well, truth be told, you were my golf coach from over there. Uh, we did at the gym at Blagdon's and then yeah. we had the uh, driving range next door with the Costa Coffee. Yeah. So, weights over for a coffee. Don't
2: then... do bench press too heavy, but when you got to go play golf the next day. <laughs> well, good. all yeah. good tips. Am That's golf... what Beaver's never had a chest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's in the 39 club for his arms as well. <laughs> uh we'll mate, 197 games for the london broncos harlequins yep. uh, which is five short of the all-time club record wasn't it an ex-manly boy that ended up ruling your hamstring for that last oh,
2: kylie Little, yeah he got me so i tore my hamstring off the bone in i think round five mm. up at Headingley. so i would have I would have ended up getting the most games ever for the london broncos had i played out that year but yeah kylie squashed me in a tackle which is was ironic because earlier in my career when i was here at manly with kylie i actually tore my hamstring at racing him at brookvale oval so he's got me twice i think he beat me in the race and then squash my hamstring.
1: Well, you did tear a hamstring, so what are you going to do? (laughs) Mate, just heard the halftime siren, so uh, we'll take a break there, hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back.
0: The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment, backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit www.wormald.com.au
1: And welcome back to the Golden Eagles podcast. Minus uh, Cuzzo, who's off crook today, as we mentioned before, with Chad Randall, player number 466 for the Mighty Seagulls. Just been talking about his career uh, at the Seagulls and both overseas in the English Super League. And now these days, Chad, still with the game and and still with the Seagulls uh, in, in a coaching role. What do you, what do you tell us a bit about your coaching role at the Seagulls?
2: Yeah, assistant coach, boxy to Des. Been there now about five or six years. Post playing in England, sort of started in the SG ball ranks here at Manly and just sort of worked my way up under Trent for three years and then been under Des as first grade assistants under Trent for two and then Des for the last couple. Been interesting and learning a lot about different methods and the way to do things and the way I like to do things and talk about psychology and all those type of things, you know, just learning all about that. It's a real interest of mine and definitely helping these boys reach their potential.
1: And good to know that, um, I I suppose, from your days when you started in the SG Ball, donating your time, that a few of those boys have come through and now first grade footballers, which is is good. Uh, Brad Parker,
2: Cade Cust i was fortunate enough to come through with those young boys and uh you know great kids great workers great work ethic you know Manasi Fanui, tavita Funa, they were there too a couple of years later we had some real success through those junior grades back then and um you know you could always tell that those were the sort of standout boys through that era and it's no surprise to me that where they are now, I think it's a real buzz for you when, when they make their first grade to those kids and something that you, you feel really proud of, almost like a father figure. Yeah, at, absolutely.
1: At yeah, definitely. Mate, and tell us a bit about Baz. Like, obviously, we played against Baz plenty, came to Manly. Um, what was Baz like to work with and, and under, I guess, as an assistant?
2: Yeah, Baz was a, a really smart guy, smart footy brain. Um, I think you can see a fair bit of his effect at Penrith at the moment and the composure that he has there, that, that they're playing with out there. And Baz really spoke a, a really good clear game and understood exactly what was needed to, to be that top side and, and as far as working for him you know you, you knew exactly what he, he wanted from you and you just got out your day and did it you know I really enjoyed my time with Baz, Learned a heap
1: and then moving on to now Des, obviously um, coached by, by Des and, yep. and probably known him for many years before that in different roles and things I know what it's like, his attention yep. to detail from a player's point of view but in terms of you know flip to the other side and the coaching role as part of the coaching team, how is it How is the, the mad professor uh, on <laughs> Uh, on most days
2: it depends on the the, the win and loss <laughs> scenario boxy yeah mate yeah, um, i know that full well don't worry yeah, too. yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's it's really like intriguing watching the difference of being a player and, and a coach to under des you know i'm fortunate i think being under him as a player and being with him before you know being dropped by him being sacked by him and then you know and going in and being under him as a coach and you see that other side and the way he does things and why he does things the way he makes the club about the players and, and game day is all about them putting out the best performance they can you know like the whole week's build up for on game day they've got no excuse that's mm. them that day to come out and deliver there's no secret in the success that Des has had as a coach because of his work ethic and, and the way he's, he gets his players to stand up and probably go above of what they thought they were capable of, you know. Obviously, that we had a struggle this year, and it's it's been a tough year. But he won't leave a stone unturned to get back where we should be. Yeah.
1: yeah, I suppose one of the things that I always loved about Desi was the fact that he had watched that tape and every team that they'd played, and he knew everything. He knew exactly what they were going to do, down to the to the last little bit, um, in terms of you know what plays they were going to do from what point. So when he spelled it out for you, you all you had to do was get there, notice it, and and, and execute basically. And, you know, I don't think, you know, from what I see, that anything's. Yeah, anything's changed now.
2: No, especially when you when you have your full complement of players, that accountability is right there. And, you know, last year and, and to the beginning of this year, you know, we spoke a, a lot about knowing what they were going to do before they're going to do it. The mm. opposition, you know, we'd studied them that hard and been through it with a fine tooth comb, and you you know you you could see it coming. You could see exactly what play they're going to do when they're going to do it. Now, as we started to get some injuries and we had to put some inexperience in there, you know, that's when it becomes a little bit harder on that type of stuff. You know, the learning capabilities and what they can take in and what they can read and the pressure that they're under and then it's building and if you're not scoring tries on the other side of it, you start to put pressure on your defence. But that's all about learning and, you know, as long as we take from this year what we need to and, and get on with it, we'll, we'll definitely put ourselves back in there with our side, um, you know, and and if we do learn some lessons, it's that we probably need to be able to cope better without those players. So we'll probably train a little bit more like that in pre-season to cope without Tom or one of your higher-ranked players goes down or your leaders go down, you know, you need to be able to cover it. So that's definitely something we'll tick off this pre-season.
1: I guess for those young guys, that experience is, is a hell of a lot, you know, experience in first grade, but also not when everything's going right, you know, having it where you're up against the wall, you know, that feeling, you know, how tough it is. So, you know, I think they'll be better off for that moving forward. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, definitely. Boxy. They, um, you know, like going through those tough times is when you're first coming through makes you really appreciate the good times when they do come and you know sometimes young footballers come into first grade and you know they they get lucky they might get a, a premiership early or you know on the back of being in a great side or something like that and sometimes that can be actually worse for their career or worse for them as a person because you know they think it's just going to be easy there's a lot of guys good players out there could have done a lot more in the game but they had to realize it was a little bit more hard work and then they would have kicked on to bigger and better things but I definitely think the group that we've got you know they've learned a lot and they're a hard-working group so you know hopefully yeah definitely next year we'll be in better. State for that
1: good young talents shining through at manly now who's uh, you mentioned a few of those guys that obviously had coached previously in, yeah. in sg ball i mean we should make mention that i was the manager that wasn't <laughs> there um you may be your manager and i was too busy i got there occasionally brad parker still gives me shit for it but um players to keep an eye on uh in, in, into
2: next year well, i think what, that one i said before that you know n- that no one would have heard it, it would be Alec Tuavaki. Mm-hmm. And there's Keith Titmus as well uh, they are two young front rowers that are that are coming through obviously you josh schuster you know he's a special talent and and he'll he'll get his accolades as they come and everyone's already seen what he's sort of capable of in one game I think Kamlykata Akatalao is developing uh he can he's going to be a, a really good back rower in in a few years um you know that's what we we're just talking about before is that experience week in week out NRL pressure pressure you know and uh, what it means to people and and the community you know and and that build up into every game. Every time you do that, it's a learning experience. You know, and there's a young Hop who got a lot of experience out of these first few games. You know, before this year, he'd only played SG Ball. So Mm. they're they're all going to be bigger and better for that.
1: And from SG Ball, uh, was it two knee reconstructions to straight into first grade? Yeah. You you think about, I remember um, playing from Fleg to reserve grade and it was massive. The jump was huge. I thought, holy shit, this is ridiculous. But then reserve grade to first grade is like 10 times that. Yeah. And, And he handled it really well.
2: I mean, he trained all year so hard. Those, that group of players that didn't get to play earlier in the year that with the, any reserve grade, so nothing. So uh, Albert hadn't played any football since SG ball. So he never played reserve grade. Even though he's training with first grade. it's still not the same thing. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. So for him to do what he did was a, was a real accomplishment. Uh, and he did it, yeah, he did it really well. Again, like the, he'll, he'll be in another year bigger, better, stronger. Another preseason and the other guys around him, you know, I'm sure those guys, as the years go on, will go through together and have success.
1: And talking about some of the uh, some of the old heads that are out there and on the on the coaching staff, Donny Singe, um, the great Alexander Ross, um, how those boys been to work with? Similar to Des, you know, coming from playing uh, and being a player out there, um, yeah. and probably still giving Ross the same amount of shit as you do <laughs> right now. But how's Donny? Donny's a Donny's a special human. I love Donny. Yeah, Donny's
2: great. He's you know he's so upbeat. You know, no matter how. Angry Desi's, you know, Donny's just like, no, go away. I'll do it and I'll do it this way, you know, like the boys are right, leave him alone. And he really gets the best out of the players, I think, mm. you know, and he knows when to drive them and when to ride them and then when to pull back, you know, he's got all that experience, mm. Donnie. And just, yeah, like you say, great guy. Yep. Great, great guy. Great family man. And I love being around Donnie mm. and his energy. You now, Alex is probably the other, the other extreme where <laughs> <laughs> you got to poke him to wake him up most days. Uh, but yeah, he's, he, he, he's Alex desk. Alex is a special guy. Like not many guys will want to do the job he does, no. you know, and and, and he just, uh, he, he does it day in, day out. and. Mm. Yeah, he whinges about it, but he gets yeah. it done. Yeah, but he gets it done. That's the thing.
1: He has got to put up with Des that whole time. And oh, he's been yeah. putting up with him for how many years now? Yeah, oh, he's Almost. been through a couple of Des Des uh, decades.
2: Decades, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he came through with Des when Des was coaching SG Ball. Yeah, uh, Alex, so Alex was cleaning boots then, <laughs> and he's still cleaning boots <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah.
1: Big shout out to yeah. Rossi out there. Yeah, uh, great bloke, great, great man. Bloke. Hey, um, pick your brain about uh, Foz coming back. Me, yeah. pers- me personally, I, I think it's, I think it's a great thing.
2: I think Boxy, like his leadership first and foremost, the experience that he will bring. You know, everyone's talking about, oh, his injuries. It's happened a lot before. It happened to Ben Kennedy before mm. he came, you know. And at the back end, we got two really good years out of Ben Kennedy. Yeah. So, that, that's you know, it's a contact sport. You're going to get mm. injuries. But, you know, I think the leadership that he's going to bring, you know, and if if we do get lucky and, and he strings two seasons together, you know, anything can happen, you know. And it really... Balances the team out, you know. We've got some young kids that are going to learn a lot off him. I even think some of the other, you know, the more senior guys will learn a lot off him. I don't know. I I haven't been there with Kieran before, and and how he's trained. Ferdy trains quite hard. When he turns up on game day, he's he's there, and it's everything I spoke about before with Desi saying, you know, what you you got to prepare for that game day's everything. I think that's a lot of what Kieran's about. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and you can see, I suppose, the way that how fearless he is going into the line as yep. a half and bringing that defence forward yeah. and getting hit. You can see how those injuries can happen, you know. And obviously, you know, teaming up with um, with Chez uh, yeah. again, I think it's a good story for the club. But I think it's I'm more excited just to see Foz get back in the in, in the maroon and white because I think he had his best years here. He day, did there. definitely,
2: and I, I think it's going to balance us out a bit more. You know, wherever they all fall and wherever they all play I think it's just it, it's good to have more quality on the field whether it's across your, your 17 your 13 wherever they wherever they're going to play and you take a bit of pressure off chairs and his kicking game and stuff like that but yeah like I was saying I, I just think that leadership that he's going to bring will be great for the for the guys and it's not so much the ball playing or it's the kick chase it's yeah. the, the little one percenters that he does you know that's what he's going to teach these young guys the most and you know as a coach you can drive that into them but mm. they seeing it from their own peers that's when they'll they'll actually take it on board hundred percent hundred percent
1: no I, I agree mate um and now finally um get on to the old boy um terry randall um yep. mate, what are your memories of growing up going to footy no doubt you're a ball boy a few times been sitting on the sideline for a few of, of the old man's games
2: I was one when he retired, so <laughs> no. Nah, nah. I've I've seen a few on video. I, mem- I remember when I was a young fellow, and we were playing a grand final for North Curly, and we had come up against narrowina and they hadn't lost all year, narrowina and we were heavy underdogs. And we put one of Dad's tapes on at Brookie Oval, and then we got access to the video room and put one of Dad's tapes on, and we just come out and absolutely smashed them after watching Dad crash tackle Dennis Donnelly. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. So yeah, it was good. It was good to watch those videos, but I don't remember anything him as a player. You know, uh, he was coaching under twenty ones when I was ball boying and. Yep. That's sort of more what I remember. I
1: suppose, yeah, all those special memories of, yeah, you know, given the, the jersey across and, and that sort of thing. And w- when you made that debut, did he give you any advice in terms of on the paddock for your first game?
2: Uh, not really, mate. Just give me a look yeah, there. The heavy eye look, you know, what to do sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd give me enough advice over, over the, the years with my footy and stuff. But, yeah, he, he knew I was ready for that and to get out there and... Probably just do what he did and make 50 tackles.
1: Oh, that's great, mate. Well, hey, thanks very much for joining us, Chad. Uh, player number 466. I think the club's in great hands, having people who've been there and done it before, coaching these young boys, um, and, and knowing that yourself and Des and, uh, and Monas and the like are there, I think
2: is a great thing. So thanks for joining us, mate. Really thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. us, Boxy, and uh, I'm sure it was a lot better without Kazza. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Roringa Seagulls official podcast channel.